After 2020, we've got nowhere to go but up. I'm Jim Park, and this is HDT Talks Trucking, Season 5, Episode 5. The podcast is sponsored by Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange. Find out more about HDTX at heavydutytruckingexchange.com. Last year was a train wreck, and the first year of 2021 has been interesting, to say the least. We had scheduled this podcast recording for early in the first week of January, but for various reasons, that didn't happen. Plan B turned out to be the day after what will be remembered as one of the ugliest days in U.S. history. This roundtable discussion would have turned out quite differently had we recorded it a few days earlier. We assembled the editorial team for a look back at 2020 and a look ahead at 2021. Deborah Lockridge, David Cullen, Jack Roberts, and I offer our reflections on the year just passed and our predictions for the year ahead through a trucking lens. What will this industry see from the Biden administration? How much of our long list will be fulfilled this year or maybe over the next four years? Will we see more emissions regulations? Will electric trucks become mainstream? The HDT editorial team tackles those questions and more right after this. Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange is a unique networking event where fleet managers and suppliers connect and collaborate. HDTX 2021 takes place in Scottsdale, Arizona. Due to the ongoing pandemic, we can't yet commit to a date, so visit heavydutytruckingexchange.com to check for updates and to learn more about the event. Well, it's 2021. We turn the calendar page and as... uh, Tradition in most publications, we like to take a look back and a look ahead at the uh, at the year just passed and the year to come. Uh, we've assembled uh, a panel here of our uh, editors at HDT, our editor-in-chief, Deborah Lockridge, uh, contributor Jack Roberts, and contributor David Cullen. We're going to go through some of the significant events of last year and take a look at what's happening next year, or this year, I guess it is now. I'm glad we didn't have this conversation last week like we planned to, because it would have been a considerably different conversation. Uh, but let's start anyway with a look at uh, 2020, uh, some of the significant stories that uh, that made the news. Obviously, the pandemic uh, was the big one, the 800-pound uh, gorilla in the room. What are your thoughts on on how trucking handled uh, the emergence of COVID-19, the coronavirus, and uh, how we communicated uh, all that we were doing to the rest of the world? Uh, well, Jim, I'll take that one. Um We named the COVID-19 pandemic our newsmaker of the year. It was pretty much a no-brainer to do that, obviously. Um, As we first wrote our first article on uh, COVID-19, back when we were still just calling it the coronavirus, uh, and how it was affecting the ports on the West Coast with the containers not coming in from China like they normally did. And it didn't take too long after that for things to really swing into full gear um, as it really started impacting this country as places started shutting down, as truckers were having a hard time finding places to eat, as uh, truckers were having a hard time finding masks and hand sanitizer. Um, So we put a special section on the website for COVID-19 and tried uh, contacting everybody we could think of from fleets to uh, regulatory officials to um, all sorts of sources to try to uh, share information with our readers. We did a podcast uh, early on last year with, uh, I think, six or seven drivers to get their takes on the experience. And uh, their experiences varied. Some said it wasn't greatly different. Others said it was a real imposition. And uh, several commented on how difficult it was to find personal protective equipment at that early stage. That yeah, was a real no, challenge. A lot of fleets were turning to uh, you know, working with local distilleries, uh, to get hand sanitizer and with their like, T-shirt suppliers to make masks. Um, so it was, uh, we talked to a lot of fleets uh, within a very short period of time to find out how they were handling things. Um, and, you know, it really was a big hit in that in the spring. Um, it did affect people differently, fleets differently, because some fleets, um, one fleet we talked to handled events. That was their whole business. Well, their whole business went down away. the tubes. <laughs> yeah, they had to make yeah. a quick pivot. Other fleets that handled things like toilet paper and groceries and bottled water had more business than they could handle. Um, as we uh, got through that part, businesses started opening back up. Um, things got a little bit back to normal, again, depending greatly on what kind of fleet you were with. Um, and the last part of the year, business has been booming for you know 
unless you're again in those kind of events businesses or restaurant businesses, but for a big chunk of the trucking industry, uh, you've got uh, pandemic related shifts in consumer behavior that are driving uh, a lot of freight. And meanwhile, there's a constraint on supply because of a shortage of drivers. So rates are up as well. So it's been an interesting year. I think uh, the trucking industry and drivers in particular sort of emerged as the heroes of the pandemic. That was kind of cool. Jack, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think that that was a high point of what was a very difficult year for for the the entire nation, the entire planet. And um, the, the pandemic really put the spotlight on the supply chain at large, the importance of a global supply chain that is efficient and and works well. I mean, you know, you look at this vast country and you're getting loads of goods in from, you know, two oceans in the Gulf of Mexico, hundreds or even even thousands of miles into the interior. Um, drivers were naturally sort of uh, got a taste of what it must have been like to be a road warrior, a king of the road back in the 1970s. They were widely hailed as heroes. I think one of the unsung parts of this is that uh, on the other side of the coin, there was no industry out there that could have been a super spreader like trucking. I just said, you go into the ports, that's obviously where the virus was coming in from overseas. Drivers could have easily um, been infecting, you know, little towns in North Dakota, Montana. You just, you never know. And that didn't happen because the industry, I was really impressed with the way the industry responded. It responded rapidly. It responded uh, with science, It with uh with information, they over communication, talking to the government, talking to state officials. You know, there was a the famous example with Werner's uh, Derek Leathers uh, talking to state officials to make sure that truck stops, I mean rest stops, stayed open, so that uh, drivers who were hauling critical loads uh, could have a place to rest when it looked like truck stops were going to be shutting down and and were shutting down. So, it it really was a shining moment for the industry. I, I don't think there's any question about that. No, and not to revel too much in our past glories. Uh, I think we're still out there doing the uh, fighting the good fight, and uh, you know drivers are still maintaining their distance and you know taking all the precautions that they should be. So, I don't think anybody can point any fingers at trucking. It was, you know, the other scary wars. thing was, you know, you talk about coming down with a with COVID nineteen and being, you know, in a sleeper cab somewhere, hundreds or thousands of miles from home. These guys. These guys and gals out there really, really um, deserve a tip of the hat from all of us. We talked to a pair of drivers last year who just exactly that happened to them, and it was a horrible experience listening to them on that podcast. My God, I can't imagine being sick, that sick, in a sleeper truck and no. still having to keep the darn thing moving to get home to the, doc- to the doctor. Dave, you and I were down at uh, NTEA last year in March, just as this thing was kind of hitting the fan. Uh, I know That's when I right. got home, I was, I was nervous, you know, being in a, in a crowded convention, uh, talk had been, you know, turning from mumbles to shouts about, uh, uh, the seriousness of this thing, just as we were packing up to go home. How did you feel when you got home from that? Well, when, while I was still at the, the show, Jim, I remember, uh, being at a press conference of, uh, that Ford was putting on and a number of their PR folks were like, were standing around and we're, you know, chatting afterwards. And then one of them turned and said, we just got, he looked at his phone. He said, we just got word from Ford that we have to suspend all, all travel globally. And I stood there and I, I listened to that and I felt my, you know, heart sink a little bit because that was such a concrete thing to hear because we'd just been hearing, you know, scattered reports about the virus coming and no one really knew, you know, right, rightly or wrongly on the government's part, no one really knew in early March what was going to happen anywhere. But, but Ford, this major company had taken the temperature, if you will, of this pandemic and decided that at that exact moment, no questions asked, they were pulling all their people in off the road from around the world. And that really uh, struck me. And then, but, you know, looking back the rest of my time at the convention and coming home at that point, there were no other precautions were, had been put into place officially or unofficially by anyone. So it was sort of like business as usual. And then it was the following week because the convention ended, the NTA ended on a Thursday evening, essentially. Uh, the following week is when the news reports really started firing off in every direction about about the pandemic taking root and rapidly spreading. 
Yeah, it was an interesting moment in time. Uh, I stayed mm-hmm. here for two weeks just waiting for something to happen. Of course, it never did, thank God. And I'm still healthy, but you never know. <laughs> uh, That's right. Because of the the pandemic, I don't think an awful lot got done this year, but we did manage to get a few regulations in place, like the drug and alcohol clearinghouse, and uh, we got, finally, the hours of service flexibility that we've been asking for. Uh, we're getting reports now that some are saying that was a good move. Some say it was not such a good move. Any thoughts around the table on uh, the changes to hours of service? Is that going to help us or hurt us? Well, I'll just jump in there, Jim. I'm not an operational expert, but as it's written, as it appears on paper, and based on what I've heard from uh, lobbyists for you know ATA, American Trucking Association, Truckload Carriers Association, Owner Operator Independent Drivers Association, the industry overall did get most of what it was looking for in this latest reform of hours of service, and the the maybe it takes a while since the to really. Uh, judge or measure those kinds of changes but they were pushing for these and really they got all but all but one and the one they didn't get was the perhaps the the um least least significant um just checking that the the, um which was the which was to uh yeah that's right and allowing an off-duty break of at least 30 minutes but not more than three hours that would pause a truck driver's 14 hours on duty window and then the up shopping as you said allowing them to take a three hour break for things like waiting out a rush hour so they didn't get that and they probably won't get that now that the democratic party controls the house the senate and the white white house or will within the next two weeks i should say so that's probably what what they're going to get what they're going to get what they have is what they're going to keep for the time being I wouldn't argue with that. I guess uh, the other big thing going forward, uh, or looking forward, that happened last year, was that automated trucks finally made their, you know, big debut. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting, going back to that story Deb wrote about uh, predicting the future 10 years ago, automated trucks weren't even on the radar screen then, and now uh, this year, or, or 2020, uh, we saw almost a dozen robotic truck companies emerge, uh, several uh, too simple, Waymo to name just a couple, were pretty aggressive. Uh, Daimler too, uh, about the their time frame and the plans uh, they have for that uh, technology. Um, what do you make of that diversity of opinions? Some say it's going to be two years before we see these things on the road. Some say it could be as long as ten. What do we take from that, Jack? I guess this is me, and <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the tech guy. Yeah, so yeah. I'll hand this one to you. You know. The, the thing we learned now, uh, when I was I was there, I saw the first uh, the Freightliner Inspiration truck drive across the Hoover Dam, and that was in, gosh, it seems like a million years ago. It was in 2015. And at the time, you know, we were being told that we were going to see, you know, fully autonomous trucks on the road in 20 years. And I'm, you know, I'm talking about lonely trucks roaming the highways late at night with no humans on board, that sort of thing. Um, what we've learned in the, in the, since then is that this is really, really hard to do. Um, computers are good at repetitive tasks. Um, they're not good at, at the things that humans take for granted. You know, is this guy in the other lane on his phone coming over on you? Maybe he's been drinking. Is this person at the stop sign going to come to a complete stop? Are they just going to roll on through? Um, it's, it's driving is an incredibly chaotic, dynamic environment, and it's difficult for computers to make sense of it in a way, uh, you know, it's not like, a, I don't know, you know, arc welding a, a, a particular joint on a chassis on an assembly line. Robots do that all day long. So I think what we've seen is a little of the OEM sort of stepping back. Um, the second part of that I should mention is that, you know, the society is still um, mildly freaked out by the idea of cars and particularly trucks that can drive themselves up and down the road with no one on board. So there is going to be some lag time while society sort of wraps its head around this. And there will be a Wright Brothers moment, I call it. You know, my grandparents could tell you the day, what they were doing when they saw their first airplane in the sky. And there will be a day for all of us when we see an autonomous truck operating on its own, or even a car for that matter, on the road, with no human uh, in control. 
And so what I think is happening now is they've sort of shifted their, well, you can call it their marketing stance or their technological adoption curve. But what we're seeing now are the early phases of a continuous uh, stride toward full automation. And the focus now is really on making drivers safer, more productive, keeping them awake, keeping, keeping them in their lanes, keeping them informed on um, you know, what's going on around them in traffic. And then, of course, there's an AI uh, an artificial intelligence and a self-learning uh, dynamic that is starting to become more important. Uh, we're seeing, you know, AMTs that can, uh, our automated transmissions, Deborah will insist that I say now, um, <laughs> can learn and can, you know, deliver better fuel economy. The more they learn a route, they can set themselves better up for the curves and the, and the grades that are up ahead of them. So I think what's happening is this is going to be, uh, a continuous work in progress. Um, there will probably be some significant breakthrough at some point, um, and maybe then the dam will break, and suddenly we'll start seeing these pop up all over the place. But for at least the immediate future, I'll say I would say we're going to see a steady, continuous development curve. Each new truck model will probably come with more and newer uh, standardized autonomous features. And then uh, maybe one day, I don't know, I'd guess in around 10 years, you'll start to see um, full automation as an option on a lot of new vehicles would be my guess. So you're going with the 10-year option? I think so. I think yeah. so. When you factor in the technological me. challenges and particularly the societal sort of uh, hesitation on this, I think that's a, I think that's a reasonable uh, time frame. You're going to okay. see first probably in like closed off places. You know, there's... I know in Europe, you know, Volvo's testing some in uh, areas like ports and, and off-road mining kind of things. Um, I think refuse, you know, will be an early, will be an yeah, early. Option. That's, that's been, you know, or sort of like a semi-automated, uh, you know, the driver can kind of walk alongside and, and uh, have the truck doing its thing. Sure. I'd be fun to mess with the refuse truck by putting your trash can just about two feet further into the curb than you're supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> you can well, be grabbing human, away at it. But. Human, that's what the human will be on board to deal with. Yeah. Okay. Before we move on to 2021, any other issues that you think were deserved mention from last year? Go around the table. David, or we pretty much nailed the big ones. Oh, um, I think you've. Uh, I think we've covered the the big ones, because uh, hours of service. Hours of service. I think was the probably the biggest one coming in the 2020, and then, if not eclipsed, at least running parallel with it was everything related to uh, uh, dealing with COVID 19 and and uh, trucking's response to it, and trucking's response to it within its own ranks, and trucking service to the nation in su supplying what what was needed to combat the pandemic. Okay, well, let's uh, let's move to a break then, and we'll come back with uh, our look at uh, look forward at 2021. We're uh, HDT Talks Trucking, and we're talking with Deb Lockridge, Jack Roberts, and David Cullen. We'll be back right after this. HGT Talks Trucking is brought to you by Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange, a relationship-building event hosted by Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine. HGTX is loaded with topical discussions and learning opportunities with some of the most innovative people in the business. Managers of Class 7 and 8 fleets apply now to be our guests at HGTX 2021 in Scottsdale, Arizona. To learn more and to apply, go to heavydutytruckingexchange.com. Okay, we're back. It's HGT Talks Trucking. I'm Jim Park, and we're talking with Jack Roberts, Dave Cullen, and Deborah Lockridge. Uh, before we get into our 2021 stuff, uh, Deborah, you wrote a story just a little while ago about our 2020 predictions or predictions for 2020 written 10 years ago. And we were kind of off the mark on that one, weren't we, as, a, as an industry? I just, I, I don't want to throw a bunch of cold water on our predictions for 2021, but I just want to kind of bring this down to reality. What sort of things did we get wrong uh, 10 years ago about last year? Um, one of the, well, it's, there was predictions that we would see more sort of green uh, fuels, but the talk was all about hybrids at the time and biofuels, algae-based, biodiesel, um, that kind of thing. Um, there was a lot of talk about new cool materials in trucks, ceramics, um, a lot of things like that that have not 
<laughs> taken place. Um, no talk about electric trucks 10 years ago. No talk about autonomous trucks 10 years ago. Um, the driver shortage was one that uh, definitely we were talking about 10 years ago, and it's still a problem. Um, <laughs> we were talking about the driver shortage in 1995, for heaven's sakes. Yes. Um, when I when I went back uh, for a 90th anniversary of HTT, I was looking back at issues from the 30s, and we were talking about the difficulty in finding drivers. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, so what's old is new again. Okay, so 2021. Uh, obviously, if we'd had this conversation a week ago, it might have been quite a bit different. But uh, uh, just last night, there was a massive event in Washington. Um, insurrection, some are calling it. Uh, there's all kinds of adjectives to describe what happened. Uh, but that's going to play, I think, a pretty important role going forward this year. So, Dave, you're kind of the uh, Washington analyst here on staff. I'm going to toss this one over your way. Uh, what happened and, and how's that going to affect us this year? Well, it comes down to really what what happened and what happened that will affect trucking once all the other dust settles comes down to uh, Biden win the the election as president, taking over in two weeks from now. Uh, the two Senate, two Democrats who won Senate seats from Georgia this week, which actually that was concluded early yesterday, early on Wednesday of this week. And that's historic on many levels, but but as far as it relates to what we're talking about here, it it puts the control of the Senate back into the hands of the Democrats, a very slight majority, just as there's not a very big majority in the House. But the upshot is both houses of Congress and the White House, as of January 20th, will be under the control of the de- of Democrats. So that's a big change from the last four years. So that that's uh, so then with that you have the election of Biden, you have the election of these two Democrats from Georgia, and then you have Trump's uh, President Trump's apparent inability to accept the fact that he lost his election to to vice to formerly Vice President Joe Biden, and that's what's that that's what set off yesterday's. Uh, mob attack, I can't think of any other way to put it, on the United States Capitol, breaching the, breaching what's called the People's House for the first time since the British burned it in 1814. So this is a, certainly a dark day for America yesterday, and, and the uh, fallout from all that has not, um, not settled yet and may not settle for a long time to come. But the, um, the, the political upshot as it relates to trucking and, and other other elements of the American American business world it, it really the fact that Joe Biden won and the Senate was taken is taken back by the Democrats and the fact that the Republican Party has taken a hit based on what their leader Donald Trump has done in the past two months since losing the election you put all that together and it really reworks the calculus in Washington in a way that I think has not been seen since Franklin Delano Roosevelt was first elected in 1932 at the height of the Great Depression. So a week ago, I would have said what regulations will move through the Senate would have depended heavily on Joe Biden's knowledge and experience working those levers from 36 years he served in the Senate and two terms as vice president. The vice president of the United States is often the liaison between the president and and Senate and House leaders, but especially Senate leaders. And Joe Biden certainly did that under President Barack Obama. And and while doing that, uh, Biden gained a lot of experience specifically working with his old colleague, Mitch McConnell, who was serving as the Senate Majority Leader from the Republican Party. Now, the tables will be turned. Senator McConnell will still be there. He'll still have a lot of power, but he'll be he'll be the minority leader. Um, and then Joe Biden's own regulatory agenda, those things that he might try to to achieve through through executive action, through the efforts of his various uh, secretaries in the cabinet, such as in the case of trucking, the Secretary of Transportation. Those might those efforts might have been somewhat muted had uh, all these things not happened in in the last two days because he may not have wanted to come across as a great regulator because because he 
would have wanted to avoid a, a backlash in 2022 among the voters that might have resulted in giving the House back to the to the Republican Party, the House of Representatives. Um, that could still happen, of course, but it seems to be less of a, a pressing issue at this point. Uh, it seems to me that having, for, for one thing, having won the presidency by a wide margin attained in an election that saw more popular votes cast for, for all candidates than ever before, that means uh, Joe Biden is coming to office with a mandate to, to, uh, to affect his policies. Even if that mandate isn't as strongly supported as it would have been if the House and the Senate were, had uh, the, the majorities in the House and the Senate were larger than they will be. So he, he's coming in in a strong position. This, the Democrats have control of the House and the Senate. They don't have quite as strong a position, though, as, as Joe Biden does. But I still think their position is stronger than it would have been, say, last week, as you um, yeah, uh, pointed sure. out earlier. So that they have um, the, the Republicans have lost a lot of standing in the view of the average American. That's that's my contention. And they they may be able to get that back, but they don't have it right now. And a new a new administration is coming into coming into power in less than two weeks. So they've got the power, they've got the majority they need, but not a big majority. So they're going to have to, as FDR, I think, once said, walk softly and carry a big stick. They're not going to be able to railroad a lot of stuff through here. Right. In the House, in the House, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, will have to work on, on the one hand, to keep her own, her own um, caucus, Democratic caucus, together and voting on what things she wants to see passed. And she must also, in some cases, bring in some Republican votes, which does happen, of course, and vice versa when the Republicans are in control. And then meanwhile, in the Senate, it's uh, the Senate operates differently than the House anyway. So the, the Senate, it's much more about cajoling and, and so forth. And try, so the, the majority leader, who presumably will be Senator Schumer of New York, he will have to bring in moderate, the small group of moderate and, and bi- t- typically bipartisan senators to vote with Democrats to, to bring a lot of things through uh, successfully. So it'll still be a balancing act for them. Okay. Uh, that's a pretty good synopsis. Thanks for that. Uh, that's, that's why we call you our Washington <laughs> analyst, I guess. Let's drill down to a couple of specific regulations that... Uh, or, or, you know, things that are going to go probably in, in, you know, toward democratic thinking on this. Uh, Jack, what do you think uh, is coming on the agenda from the uh, from the Democrats different than uh, what we saw from the Republican administration well, just passed? What we don't know at the moment is uh, first thing is I live in very conservative Alabama and I talk to people all the time and I get a sense that everybody on both sides of the aisle, citizens kind of understand that what we've been doing for a very long time isn't working for working class people and middle class people. So I think what we don't know at the moment is what what happened yesterday. Um, is that going to be some sort of a wake up call to the Republicans or are they going to kind of try to obstruct and delay whatever Joe Biden wants to do? My sense is that um, the way the political climate is right now, that if you want to have any chance of holding on to your majorities in 2022 and getting reelected in 2024 is I feel like you have to go big. You have to kind of deliver things that make the American people feel that government is looking out for them and trying to take care of them again. So I'm going to be curious um, to see if that happens and how much uh, the Republicans will be willing to work with the Democrats to find some moderate uh, versions of, I don't know, you know, whether it's a minimum wage raise, some, some sort of uh, work on, um, on healthcare, um, restructuring the tax code in a fairer way, um, things like that. So it'll be interesting to see. Now, as far as trucking goes, I think um, the, the, um, the nomination of mayor Pete as DOT transportation secretary is interesting. Um, kind of controversial. I think we all know why in a certain way. However, the guy is clearly sharp. Um, he seems to be a go-getter. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he brings to the discussion uh, starting next year. 
Um, obviously, there will be a more uh, renewed focus on green energy. I think we, we can all expect to get back into the Paris Accords that uh, Donald Trump uh, walked away from in 2016. Um, you know, and, and then the other thing is an infrastructure bill. Um, and maybe that's something that the Democrats and Republicans can agree on early because I, I you know, I often argue in my um, in my writing that, you know, our, our roads are obviously in abysmal shape. And we need to get them back to, well, we not only need to get them back to Eisenhower administration standards when the roads and highways and bridges were built, but we've got to start seriously planning for a very different uh, autonomous and uh, communication-based transportation future. We need smart highways. Um, Smart highways are being built aggressively right now in China, Europe, Japan, all these other nations. And you know, our bridges are falling down. So um, my hope is, I'm, I'm certainly not going to make any bold predictions today because uh, as we saw yesterday, things are very chaotic and unpredictable at the moment. My hope would be uh, that we do something very quickly along the lines of infrastructure because I think everyone listening to this podcast will agree it's way, way, way overdue. Well, people have made a lot of fun of uh, Pete Buttigieg calling him the pothole mayor for the last, <laughs> because of his inability to take care of even a basic fundamental municipal problem with potholes in the streets of Fort Wayne. Uh, you think he's up to the challenge of tackling infrastructure projects of that scale? I don't know. We're going to find out. I hope he is. Um, yeah, me too. Uh, you know? I think it really comes down to, uh, I've not surveyed his record as mayor, but I think it will come down to is he is, uh, is, uh, is he a capable administrator of whatever he's administrating? The Department of Transportation, like all federal agencies, is a big sprawling operation. I mean, it touches on everything from marine traffic to railroads to trucking to the planes in the sky and so forth. So is he an effective administrator? Can he get the people who report to him to do what they need to do and they in turn get the people down the chain to report to them, do what what they have to do. And I guess part of this also would be is how involved he may or may not be in selecting key agency heads. Will he be suggesting to President Biden who should head up the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, for example? And, you know, the person who's in that role has much more direct contact and impact on on trucking. So that's an appointment we should all be keeping our up our eyes open for in the coming, coming weeks. Okay. Fair enough. Um, Environmental regulations. Democrats have been known to uh, slide a few of those in over the uh, past couple of years. Uh, We've got some pretty strict regulations in place now. Any predictions, Deborah, on uh, whether things are going to get tighter uh, under Joe Biden and his crew? Well, yeah, I definitely think that the Democrats, um, it's part of their, uh, things they'd like to get accomplished. If you look back at the big infrastructure bill that the House passed uh, last year, that that basically the House Democrats passed last year, um, it was chock full of of green green energy and green initiatives. Um, So definitely, I think that we'll we'll see some movement on a lot of those. We'll see incentives for electric vehicles. Um, Part of uh, what they've been talking about as far as infrastructure is to also work uh, charging you know, into that uh, scenario, into that uh, equation. Um, so I think we'll be looking at that. Um, you think the GHG rules that we've got now will be tightened up uh, or uh, a new set of rules even with even tighter standards will be proposed sometime in the next four years? That's a good question. Um, I don't think it's going to be something you're going to see right off the bat. I think there's a lot of other things that uh, mm-hmm. are, are on the new administration's plate. And in those uh, are still kind of working their way through a, a phase in. Um, but yeah, they may look to California um, and uh, try to uh, get some some stricter regulations that uh, would mirror California's. But um, I don't think that's as high on perhaps the priority list as some other things. What kind of other things? I think it- <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, first of all, getting the COVID-19 uh, pandemic under control. Um, yeah, and uh, would I? You know, that's really number one. Um, hey, let's you know to jump in real quick. We're not out of the woods on that yet. No, no we're not. And no, everybody, 
you know, and, and there are new super strains coming in from overseas. We, we really don't know yet, you know, is, is this vaccine going to be something you have to take a booster for every year? We, the virus to me, I'm no doctor and I don't play one on TV, but you know, it's, it seems interesting that this thing mutates faster than say a flu virus or, or some of the other viruses we deal with. So I, I know everyone's optimistic right now and man, I'm ready to put this thing behind us, but you know, um, we ain't out of the woods yet. There are some things that, that affect trucking very specifically that have already been brought up um, that we're going to see early on. Um, the administration, income, incoming administration already said that they're going to put out a memo about halting or uh, stopping any regulations that were sort of currently in process that hadn't taken effect yet. Um, and right. that affect, for instance, the independent contractor definition that the Department of Labor just published, um, and that, in fact, was specifically mentioned in the announcement of this uh, midnight regulations rollback uh, as an example of the kinds of things they were going to be dealing with. Um, so I think we're going to see a close look at a lot of the regulations uh, that have been changed, that have been uh, rolled back as part of the Trump administration's emphasis on deregulation. Um, hours of service. That was one of the things in that bill last summer from the House that they wanted to put a pause on those new hours of service. Um, so we could see some action there. Um, we could see actions with uh, uh, CSA. That was another thing that was mentioned in that particular bill, that the CSA program, the move to uh, item response theory, which uh, has pretty much gone nowhere from what we can tell. Um, so I think there's a, there are a lot of things they are going to be looking at. Dave, I'll send this one your way. Uh, infrastructure. Uh, we've talked about it a bit already. Uh, what sort of things do you think are going to be in uh, an infrastructure bill that we'll hopefully see sometime really soon? I mean, we need it. Uh, what are the priorities and what do you think the administration is going to prioritize? Well, first off, I think an inf infrastructure bill, a large, if perhaps even a humongous infrastructure, infrastructure bill is very likely to, to get passed even this year. I mean, that's how much I think things have changed in, in Washington uh, since the election. Remember, as we, I'm sure we all remember that President Trump er, very early on, I think it was the day after his inauguration almost four years ago, pledged to, to uh, pass a trillion dollar infrastructure bill. And no one really objected to that. Obviously, they, there would have been horse trading and deal making along the way. But then it sort of uh, died on the vine for various reasons. And then uh, this uh, 20, in 2020, the House Democrats picked up the, the, the ball, if you will, and ran with it and passed their own, uh, their own Infrastructure Act, the Invest Act. And I kind of see that as most likely the blueprint for what will happen next. I mean, President Biden may send to the House his thoughts on adding or taking things away from that bill. And then that bill may then move as it is into the Senate, be introduced there and debated there and perhaps modified. And there are a lot of things in there. It's a very big, sprawling bill. But it will, I think that will be the baseline for, for what, will, what will be passed. And I do think something will be passed because something almost got passed during the much more divisive uh, Trump years. And now people want to start with a fresh slate. They want to get things done. It's, that's very much in the air in Washington and I think across our country. So I could see that such an infrastructure bill being passed and along with it or within it uh, finally – seeing the federal gas tax, federal gas or fuel tax, as you may like to call it, raised and indexed to inflation to, to make sure that the Highway Trust Fund does not go bankrupt and, and there will be money there ready to, to be spent on, on highways and bridge building and rebuilding. That's a pretty ambitious agenda. I think I think it's doable, though. I really do. I may be a bit overconfident, but it's just... Uh, it's like uh, Chris Spear, who heads up the American Trucking Association, likes to say, roads and bridges are neither Democratic or Republican. We all drive over them, you know, to paraphrase, <laughs> to paraphrase. Yeah, and um, I think this, uh, this, is a, this is a moment for this to happen. You know, it may not happen in, in the first few months of the year, but I, I could see it happening before the year's out.
Okay. Uh, let's turn to safety. Um, a lot of safety regulations, a lot of talk of, of improving truck safety. In fact, we've got, uh, you know, the truck crash rate is, you know, trending upwards these days. That's got people talking. Uh, Jack, what do you think we can see coming this year in terms of safety regulations or improvements to uh, truck safety? Uh, you know, I, there's going to be a lot of things that may or may not happen, depending, again, on, you know, the dynamics in Washington. You know, let me preface this by saying that we're we're at an interesting time right now because um, the OEMs seem to be making safety features now that autonomous technology is starting to really uh, become effective and affordable. Um, safety is kind of a trend in and of itself uh, on the OEM side of the trucking equation. You know, I went to the Western Star 49X launch uh, in October. That's uh, a new truck. That's uh, Western Star's new vocational class eight truck. And it is absolutely jam packed with new safety features that up until recently uh, were standard on the, the Cascadia highway tractor. And to some degree could be specced as add on equipment by fleets. But now the truck is absolutely brimming with all kinds of safety systems. So um, there is already, I think, a pretty pronounced uh, trend with new vehicles underway um, the trucks on the road today are without question the safest uh, commercial vehicles in history, and they're getting new systems every day. The systems are getting smarter. Uh, the systems are getting more intuitive and easier for drivers to, to use, to turn off when they don't need them, when they become a distraction. So that trend, I think, is already well underway. Now, you know, beyond that, um, I think uh, in terms of new regulations, I think, as Deborah alluded to earlier, I think the Biden administration will probably be a lot like the Obama administration. I, I really don't think um, this is going to be a, a, a front burner priority for the administration because, quite frankly, after the four year, last four years, they they have a lot of other um, alligators they have to swat down. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't think that honestly, I don't think that uh, truck fleets need to worry a whole lot coming in from this, this new administration about being, you know, weighed down with a lot of new regulations. I think some things that were already on the books that either got pushed back uh, by Trump or delayed may, may come into effect. I think speed limiters, you know, are going to be, uh, I, you know, you kind of wonder why that hasn't already happened given the public's sort of, you know, century long fear of big, big commercial vehicles. Um, as I mentioned, definitely going to be a tightening up of emissions regulations. There's no question that's coming. Um, and that's going to lead to assorted other, um, you know, offshoots like electric trucks and, and hydrogen fuel cell vehicles. So definitely we'll see, I think, some more um, regulations or at least legislation passed to kind of boost uh, the influx of these vehicles into, into the industry. Um, but at, at the end of the day, I just my, my sense right now is trucking fleets really don't need to freak out. I don't think this is a, uh, I don't think this is a nanny state sort of administration. And as I said, they've just got, they've just got much bigger problems. They, they've got to contend with right now. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. Do you think we're going to see a, a Tesla semi with a fleet name on the door this year? I don't know. I saw a news flash a while ago <laughs> that he's now the richest the world he just beat out bezos just beat um, bezos yeah yeah and i don't know what to make of tesla because sometimes you think you know the guy is just kind of bonkers and he's almost like a james bond villain like he and bezos both are are like you know you kind of expect 007 to come through the skylight at any moment and you know blow their secret labs up and you think you think i don't know musk is kind of bonkers and then you watch him you know shoot his car into space and land the rocket on a barge floating in the ocean and then you get you know so he's um, he's clearly a genius. I saw him on Joe Rogan's podcast a while, or a YouTube channel a while back. And, um, you know, you get the sense that the guy is when you, when he's talking, he's like, he's so smart. He's trying to figure out, you know, like, almost like he's talking to a chimp, you know, <laughs> what can he, what can he tell us and how can he phrase it in a way to make us understand it? So, you know, I, I hear a lot of people go back and forth on him. I don't, my sense is I don't feel like, Tesla quite understands the trucking market as well as they think they do. Um, but at the same time, the guy is such a freaking genius and he's, he's a polymorph capable of doing so many things and doing them well. I, 
I, I would be hesitant to count him out, to be honest with you. And how about Nicola? That was the other big story this year. Are they going to be around in six months, do you think? I don't know. GM threw a ton of money at him, and then that that whole thing just kind of blew up in their face. Um, I don't know because I don't have any insight into how viable their hydrogen technology is. Now, I've, I've talked to a lot of people who told me it's legit, who've you know signed non-disclosures and can't give me any details, but they've seen the vehicle and they say, yeah, this thing's for real. It's going to be, it's going to, it's going to be a big deal. Um, but you know, you know, were they tricked? I don't know. Um, you know, hydrogen has been kind of interesting because it was a dark horse for so long and, you know, you, it was the stuff of science fiction novels. And then suddenly out of nowhere, it just kind of burst onto the scene in a big way. You know, you've got Toyota and Kenworth working on hydrogen fuel cell systems and, uh, you know, you've got BMW and I, just all kinds of manufacturers working on this stuff. So, I, you know, I don't know. Um, something's a little screwy with uh, Nikola right now. Maybe, maybe GM can, you know, they've certainly got wads of money to throw at problems. Maybe they can sort it out and we'll see, you know. Okay, so before we wrap up here, let's just go around the table one more time. Uh, I'll ask each of you for your sort of top three uh, developments you think we'll see uh, this year specifically or, or perhaps during the uh, the next four years with the Biden administration. Let's start with you, Dave. Sure. Again, I think a humongous infra- infrastructure bill is in, in the offing. I'd go so far to say as I, I think that may be passed before the year is out. I also expect to see trucking trucking getting greener, both voluntarily and because of greater incentives, be they legislative or regulatory, that will help boost the adoption of electric trucks. In other words, make bringing, up, bringing in more electric trucks faster, less painless for fleets, uh, perhaps money for, uh, for uh, electric charging infrastructure, for example. And I also, for a third one, this may not happen right away, but I still think that Congress and the regulators in Washington, FMCSA and elsewhere, may may keep both hours of service and the carrier safety accountability uh, regime under a spotlight. They may not act on anything right away, but they're not just going to file them in a drawer and not look at them again. Okay, Dave. Uh, Sorry, Jack, what do you think? Top three uh, predictions for next year. I think infrastructure. I think uh, tighter emissions regulations, uh, greener sort of overall industry return to um, the Obama uh, administration sort of levels of uh, concern about the environment. Um, And I'm going to I'm going to go a little bit off the beaten track on um, for my third one. And that is, I'll note that the day we're making this podcast, Amazon bought 50 Boeing cargo jets um, yesterday, and they are coming into our industry and they are coming soon. And I think that if I were a fleet manager, I'd be keeping an eye on them because given what we know about Jeff Bezos and his, uh, you know, we're in a disrupt, we're in a disruptive time like we were a hundred years ago in that you have people, um, entrepreneurs and visionaries coming into different industries and they challenge the status quo and they challenge the status quo because they understand uh, new technology in ways that are often alien to people who are just kind of blinking at new technology and going, wow, these guys are already thinking, you know, 10 years, 50 years down the road about how this uh, technology can be used to transform their businesses, to transform people's lives. And so, I think that we're going to see, I presume it will be this coming year. There'll certainly be some activity, I think, from Amazon. I'm going to be really curious to um, to see what an Amazon delivery fleet, a global de- delivery fleet looks like and how it functions. And I think that that's going to be um, a real indicator for where technology is going to take this industry in the next, I don't know, 25, 50 years. You're going to see some pretty amazing groundbreaking new ways of doing old things, I think. So that would be my advice to anybody who's kind of wondering what the future is going to hold. I would, uh, I'd keep my eye on Amazon and see what starts happening with them here in the next uh, 12 to 24 months. That's a bold prediction indeed. And uh, over to you, Deborah. Uh, what are your top three uh, predictions for development in 2021? 
Well, I think at the top of the list probably is that uh, the change in government is uh, going to mean a fair amount of uh, changes in possibly regulatory uh, areas, um, green energy, uh, also maybe we'll finally get an infrastructure bill. Um, another one is I think the continuing development of electric trucks, um, which is something we watched in uh, 2020 uh, really take off. And I think for a third one, I think yeah, kind of technology in general, we're going to continue to see some of the stuff that came out of the pandemic with uh, touchless technology and more uh, data analysis and more use of technology by fleets than we've ever seen before. All right. So that's uh, HDT Talks Trucking, uh, episode five, uh, season five. Uh, thanks for all those predictions and that insight. It's great to hear, you know, from experts in the field talking about where we're going with this industry. I appreciate your time and uh, we'll, we'll do this again next year and see how many of our predictions came true. Uh, Jack, thanks much for your time, sir. Thanks, Jim. You guys, David, good to talk to you as always. You guys be safe out there. And Dave, thanks for uh, joining us on the call today. I sure appreciate it, sir. Oh, you're very welcome, Jim. It's great to talk with you and Jack and Deborah. And I um, hope we all have a great 2021. And to you, Deborah, thanks again for uh, keeping this HDT thing steered in the right direction. You do a great job. We uh, all love working with you. Thanks. So long. HDT Talks Trucking is sponsored by Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange. HDTX 2021 takes place in Scottsdale, Arizona. Go to heavydutytruckingexchange.com to view the agenda, to check for dates, and to apply to be our guest at HDTX 2021. I hope you liked this episode of HDT Talks Trucking, and if you did, please spread the word around on social media and give us a review and a rating if you happen to be listening to us on Apple Podcasts. HDT Talks Trucking is produced by Deb Lockridge, recording and audio production by Jim Park. Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine is published by Bobbitt Business Media. I'm Jim Park. Thanks for listening.